Champaign Police Chief Anthony Cobb said he's about to lose to retirement the only employee he could never promote. That's because Deputy Chief Troy Daniels had already risen as high in the ranks as possible by the time Cobb took the helm. I'm Mary Shank, and this week on Legally Speaking, I'll visit with Daniels, a Champaign native who has served well two area police agencies in his 34 years as a police officer, a career he's about to step back from. We'll be back after this. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week, from Dave Gentry's morning show to Scott Beatty's News Hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. I'm joined today by Troy Daniels, who's retiring after a 34-year career in law enforcement locally, most of it with the Champaign Police Department, where he's been Deputy Police Chief for the last 18 years. Thank you for being my guest on Legally Speaking. It is good seeing you again. So, here I go. Hello and goodbye, Troy. been nice knowing you. So once again, I'm saying goodbye to a police colleague I've had a long and cordial working relationship with, and it makes me sad. <laughs> we have been friends for a long time, and you have helped us often on cases that we've been working on, <laughs> putting out information to the public, and we sure appreciate you. Well, I know uh, I do. Thank you. Um, likewise, I was making notes to myself of what a media darling you've been all these years <laughs> as well. Um, you've always been good at coming out, answering questions, saying things even when you weren't saying anything of substance. <laughs> there's, uh, there's you know, what, what, what I've found through the years is that we got so many tips from people that actually read the News Gazette or saw something online that it was really in our own best interest to, to give as much information as we could. So it was, uh, it was a good working with you for all those years, Mary. I consider you a true friend. Well, it, truly treating people the way you'd want to be treated is the bottom line here, isn't it? And that's why you've had a successful career. You know, early on, uh, I had really good teachers, and I knew I was young. I was 21 years old when I started policing, and I just knew in my heart that I would eventually start dealing with the children of the suspects that I was dealing with, and sure enough, that's happened, and now it's uh, grandchildren of suspects. Okay. That's a... Your radio letting you know that you're still at work. Mm -hmm, exactly. Um, I'm going to start with the easy questions. You grew up in Champaign, right? I did. And Born and raised. And where'd you go to high school? I went to the only high school, Centennial High School. Oh. Gradu graduated in 1982. My central alumna daughter would disagree. But, and then on to Parkland. So did you always want to be a cop? You know, uh, there were different stages of life uh, at one <laughs> point in time. Early on, the earliest I can remember, I wanted to be a police officer. And then I wanted to be a uh, missionary. And then I wanted oh, to be... Well, those kind of <laughs> blend. Sort of, kind of. They are. Social work. and <laughs> Sort of, kind of. Then I wanted to uh, be a lawyer. And then once I got to U of I and, and actually learned what it was going to be like to be an attorney, I said, ugh. Maybe I want to be a police officer again. So then I went back to Parkland and finished up and got my associate's degree from there. Okay. And your brother Glenn is a Champaign firefighter, right? He is. He's a battalion chief there. And yep. um, how long has he been there, if you know the number of years oh, off wow. the top of your head? That might uh, not be fair. I'm guessing late uh, upper 20s. He's been there for quite a long time. So um, what did your folks do? Where's this public service penchant come from? You know... 
for those that know Doug and Cookie Daniels, they know they are just the nicest people on the planet. They just are. I could not have asked for better parents. Um, my dad's a perfect gentleman. They have positive attitudes. Uh, dad was a salesman all his life. Mom uh, worked at Osco Drug and a waitress and then also finished up her career working with uh, special needs students at an elementary school, Bottenfield Elementary School. So just great people. And they're still doing well and still in town here. Cool. I, I still wonder, though, how you transitioned into public service. I mean, did, was there an incident in your life or just this itch as most police officers, I want to help people? <laughs> I knew when I was a child, I knew I wanted to be a police officer. It just was really the only thing that I absolutely loved doing. Okay. even thinking about so um so that was always going to be the way w the path was until I, I i thought of the missionary for a while and then law school and then came back to my roots okay um but you started at the champaign county sheriff's office as a deputy right tell us a little bit about that i did i was getting ready i had just finished up parkland college with my associate's degree in criminal justice and I was getting ready to go to Southern Illinois University uh, to study criminal justice. And I was working as a lifeguard at the Champaign Shoal and Pool. <laughs> okay. And I was up on the chair, and uh, uh, one of the workers came and said, Hey, there's a guy on the phone. He says he's Sheriff Brown. You know, like, for, ah. you know, like there's must be someone pulling a prank on you. And I, my eyes lit up, and I jumped from the top of that chair all the way down to the concrete and ran to the office. And... He offered me a job, and I started uh, July 1, 1985. Oh, my gosh. So uh, you—I know for, that I met you about that time. You had a pretty meteoric rise at the sheriff's office, as well as Champagne. We'll get to champ your Champagne accomplishments in a minute. But um, I assume, like everybody else, you just started in patrol? I did. I worked there for uh, uh, about two and a half years, yeah. And then— um, you went into like undercover work, doing drugs pretty pretty soon. Is that just because you still looked like you were in high school? <laughs> I'm sure at that time I did. I always thought I would remain looking young, but you know, age does catch up with all of us. Um, yeah, I and I, I worked undercover, and I worked with the interagency drug task force at the time. Uh, and at that time, it was Captain Walt Wolf who became <laughs> Chief Deputy Walt Wolf, and I actually consider him to be my primary mentor. Uh, when it comes to investigations and how to treat people and how to get informants, and he he taught me more than uh, um, more than I deserved to ever learn from anyone. And we still get to have lunch occasionally together, so he and I still keep up. And I'm sure there's uh, dozens of stories that you could not tell publicly about Walt Wolf. <laughs> Maybe hundreds. <laughs> um, so obviously that. I'm going to guess that all that undercover work and working with Walt whetted your appetite for being a detective. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and fortunately, I was able to spend uh, about four and a half or five years as a detective at the sheriff's office uh, before I came over to Champaign. And it was uh, uh, I, I I was exposed to uh, several murders and uh, high profile cases, and it really taught me the nuts and bolts of how to build a case from from mm -hmm. the ground up and and also got to work with just made dear friends over there and got to work with uh, Tim Vogus at Ogle Chris Bolt um, and it was uh, it was a great time yeah Scott Swan all of, uh, guys with a uh, great chops in their background tell me do you have uh, cases either from there or Champagne that were more memorable to you that 
you know, maybe you are really satisfied with the work that you did or that still nag at you a little bit because you couldn't get the job done? Well, the uh, the cases that I probably think of the most are the ones that have to do with uh, homicides or sure. really violent cases. And fortunately, the vast majority of those were resolved uh, successfully with the work of a lot of people. And, and so being able to look at family members of the deceased and let them know that um, we think we have the right person and that that it that then it ends up being successfully prosecuted is it's a great it's a great satisfying feeling you know there's there's uh there are always cases that don't get solved and so even today cases back at the sheriff's office that remain unsolved still still nag at me so i still sure. still feel that you don't ever probably ever get away from that I'm guessing. So you were continuing your education while you were at the sheriff's office, right? I was. I uh I I tell everyone I was on the 7-year plan. It took me <laughs> <laughs> it took me 7 years to get my my bachelor's degree from the University of Illinois in vocational education teaching law enforcement basically. And I was doing that while I was at the sheriff's office. And and I, I know you've taught at PTI over the years. Was that always your plan to like keep working and teaching, working, working? <laughs> it's all working, I know. <laughs> Actually, um, the the teaching at uh, the police training institute and also teaching at Parkland College, just being able to. I know that you've got to mentor other people. So, and I also know that part of uh, being a good command officer is teaching others. So, I was trying to learn how to teach others through PTI and also at uh, Parkland College when I taught there. Well, not everybody is a good teacher, and not everybody wants to be a boss. What was it about this work that made you want to move to the management side of things? I, I think for me, I um, I always wanted to, to try to make sure that the troops were taken care of, that they got the right training, the right equipment, and that... Uh, the cases were successfully solved as best possible, and and it just felt like if you're in management, then you can help assure that more than than if you're not. But I've worked with guys and gals that have stayed on the front line as a detective or as an officer, and they still have accomplished much in their career. So I've just just been a different path that I've taken. There's hardly anything that in either department that you haven't done. I was taking note on your resume of being on the bomb disposal unit and uh, the SWAT team. Is that kind of the risk taker side of Troy? <laughs> Not everybody wants those jobs either. Well, it's, I think it's, the, I think it's the, the part of me that just wants to go after the worst of the worst. So it's like <laughs> if there's someone that is causing problem, then I really want to be part of that solution a part of a team that's taken that on. Now, I will say with SWAT, I was able to be an operator and uh, uh, was fortunate enough to go in many, many homes through the uh, the course of my career with the SWAT team. Now, on the bomb unit, I was the commander. So what they do with the commander is they send them to a school down in uh, Redstone, Alabama, and they teach you for three days how to stay out of the way of the bomb techs because they're the ones that actually have to go clip wires. I'm not a wire clipper. I, if I get hurt, 
that means I'm too close to the scene. I'm supposed to take care of the outside of the scene for Brilliant. the bomb unit. Another benefit of management. Exactly. Delegate, delegate, exactly. right? I, I guess were you just always thinking, now when I'm in charge, when I'm king, we are going to do things this way, this way, this way? Oh, everyone's got that that idea. I mean, when, you're, when you go into management uh, or even the, the good thing about being a police officer is that truly, whether you ever go into management or not, you are leading every day at every call that you go to. So there are guys that have never gone into formal management, but they're still informal leaders out there. Guys and girls are, are still leading the department because they're leading uh, units, they're leading events. And, uh, but, but everyone, as they go into management, you have a view on how things can be and what you wanna try to accomplish. And what I learned is that the, the smarter the people are around you, the more successful you are and try to make sure that you're selecting people that are smarter than you. And, and I have been very successful at picking, picking people smarter than me. It may, it may not be that hard to do either. <laughs> oh, there you go with that self-deprecating humor. Well, let's talk about some specific initiatives that you've been involved in as a manager that we kind of take for granted today. And I noted one that was like school resource officers. Yes. Um, so uh, my kids have all gone through Champaign schools. I, I still live in the city of Champaign. And, uh, you know, having a police officer in the building really provides a great opportunity for children young people to have positive interactions with with officers uh 99 of what our school resource resource officers do in the schools is develop positive relationships teach kids uh law related information but they're also there to help protect protect the school and protect other students and unfortunately you know there's going to be a small group of students every year that that have problems and they're and some of them are are dangerous at a time, and so they've got to be dealt with. And um, at the same time, there's a lot of kids that are just messing up as kids. And so, um, one of the things that I was able to be involved in in the uh, early 2000s is Champaign was one of the well, we were the leader in the county when it came to dealing with informal station adjustments, informal station adjustments. Be so, better, so better describe that a little bit. I sure. had that on my list of things to ask you about because sure. clearly children today, the ones who are sitting in our juvenile detention center are not shoplifters and truants. They are violent. Exactly. And, uh, explain what a formal and an informal station adjustment is to try and get a kid's attention <laughs> sure so before 2001 um, every kid who got caught for anything the case got written up and sent to the state's attorney's office for possible charges well the bottom line is is kids are kids and you know they're gonna they're gonna jack it up they're gonna mess it up at times and and that doesn't mean they need to be formally charged with a crime you don't want to take mm -hmm. up the court system you know court time a prosecutor's time, a judge's time, a courtroom time. So a formal station adjustment is an agreement between the, the juvenile, the parent, and the police officer that they will do certain things like uh, go to school, have a curfew, write a letter of apology, um, make restitution. And within a certain amount of time, if they stay out of trouble, then we will not send the case to the court system to be charged. So. We did that a few years before we started the school resource officer uh, 
program. So while the officers were in the building, they had the tools available to them to divert kids from the criminal justice system whenever we could. Right. If a child ends up at the courthouse with formal charges, they've self-identified as someone who needs a lot more guidance and correction than, right. than the kids we're talking about. The station adjustment program is set up for your low-level offenders. Mm -hmm. And an informal adjustment? Are those the kids I'd see washing the squad cars and picking up trays? There or? have been times, yes. <laughs> there have been times that we have used uh, kids in that way. And, and Dr. Kate Halenga was from the School of Psychology, and as she was getting her PhD, we actually employed her in 2002, 2003 to start our program. And so I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that we were able to take a lead with the station adjustment program and also with the school resource officer program. We luckily have the resources to have one in each middle school, public middle school in each high school. And, um, and we think that, that it's been um, very successful. Well, I know uh, there were a lot of parents nervous about police presence in school. I mean, today, and there's still uh, complaints about equity issues. Uh, do you feel pretty good about that program, though? I mean, from a police standpoint, it's working, right? Yeah. I um, mean, aren't you identifying the kids who need more resources right at the source? The reason why I like it is before school resource officers were in the building, police officers would still have to come to the school but it would be an untrained officer who wasn't trained on juvenile matters. They had other things going on in, uh, outside the building. They didn't know the student. They had no history of the student. They had no history of the, the teachers, the administrators. So actually, when you look at the amount of kids who were being arrested before school resource officers started, the number went about from around 60 down to 20. So we have vastly cut down on the number of kids every year that are arrested and taken to the juvenile detention center because of the school resource officer program. And in addition, when there have been serious fights that have broken out, we've had officers quickly in the building that can help minimize the damage that can happen between kids. And when there's minimal damage, then there's often minimal charges that also happen. It's easier to get through a situation if, if you don't have a serious injuries that have been caused so and now we have youth assessment center where the police officers don't have to be tied up all day on a call involving a juvenile tell the listeners a little bit about that sure there's also that's also another thing i'm very proud that our department took a, a lead in was the youth assessment center and we worked with others like so many of the successful programs we've had and there have been other there were other agencies around town uh, unit four schools definitely helped state attorney's office uh, definitely helped but the youth assessment center has specially trained staff that can assess a children's uh, juvenile's weakness so if a juvenile gets arrested or or has some issue uh, criminal issue or substance abuse issue they can look at what their strengths and weaknesses are and then try to help them and their families with their weaknesses so that uh, so that they can kind of rejoin society, stay sure. in society, not be criminally charged. And so that Youth Assessment Center is such an extremely important resource in our community. And uh, I'm just proud that Champaign Police took a very substantial role in getting that developed. Um, segwaying to Crime Stoppers, near and dear to your heart, has does that... Um circle back to your days as a detective and the need to develop sources and intelligence uh, first of all it, 
um, tell the listeners about your role in the national organization. I mean, how did you even get started with Crime Stoppers locally? So I got started with Crime Stoppers as the uh, like informal spokesperson over at the sheriff's office. So they would okay. they would rope me into standing in front of the camera <laughs> every week and give the crime of the week. And and then when I came over to Champaign and became a deputy chief, um, John Nagy, Deputy Chief John Nagy and John Hecker, who's the president of Crime Stoppers, they started Champaign County Crime Stoppers. So when John Nagy left, that was just part of the responsibilities of of um, of my role. Then I got connected to the Illinois State Crime Stoppers, and then I got connected to Crime Stoppers USA as a board member. And I've been with Crime Stoppers USA for about 10 years as either an advisor or a board member. But back to the original question, mm-hmm. yes, um, with, the, with the detective roles that I've had or detective supervisor roles, I knew that it's that little bit of information. It's just that arrow pointed towards a suspect saying, this is the person who did it. And now you can start to build a case against that person if they're the ones that did it, if that tip is correct. If the tip's not correct, uh, then we might not get the evidence or the tip might be correct and we still don't get the evidence. But but I know how important just that one little bit of information is, which is goes back to how important the media is to law enforcement and how important that relationship between the news media and law enforcement solves so many crimes. So. Crime Stoppers, I know this. My passion as I go into retirement is um, to help Crime Stoppers grow even more powerful. My 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 passion is to make sure that Crime Stoppers USA can receive and efficiently distribute tips from throughout the country 24/7 365. And we've got a lot of strengths with Crime Stoppers USA, and we have some substantial weaknesses. And I know what those are, and I want to improve on those, and that's one of the things I want to do in retirement. Well, you were instrumental in helping people who have been convicted of crimes actually fund Crime Stoppers. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, there are there There's legislation, thankfully, in Illinois that allows for a portion of convictions that uh, that come in from criminals to go to Crime Stoppers. So in Champaign County Crime Stoppers, the rewards are often paid by money that's given to the court system because they've been convicted of a crime. So it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, bad guys are funding, bad other bad guys getting caught. <laughs> comes first, full circle. It does. Deal what goes around comes around. That's right. Um, so I think you answered my next question. You do plan to stay active and locally and in the national or... Yes, I still I still plan as long as Champaign County Crime Stoppers will allow me to continue to be an advisor. I want to help them, and then I want to stay with Crime Stoppers USA as well. So, t- talk a little bit about your different roles. Um, you, you have the title of Deputy Chief, but and I was reading through uh, your resume, and some of the responsibilities sound god awful to me, like purchasing and budgeting, uh, uh, dealing with use of force cases. What have been some of your different responsibilities? And tell me the ones you liked versus the ones you didn't particularly care for. Right. So I'll be kind of general initially because so basically through the years, there's really not been anything I've not done (laughs) as far as managing. um, uh, There have been a few things that I've touched with, like, for example, the crime scene unit I've helped with, but I've never really managed that. But almost everything else, there's been things that I've, I've, I've been actively involved in 
um, or and usually helped others achieve things that that they're that they are trying to achieve. Um, the back time, to surrounding yourself with the smart people. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, the investigations time was uh, was very interesting because of all the major crimes that have occurred. You know, since and since I was a, 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 a deputy chief, um, so that was a fascinating time. But at the same time, I also had to do purchasing and budgeting, and and when we had the Great Recession, we had to uh, analyze how we cut, and those were fairly painful, fairly painful times. So um, I will say that as a, a deputy chief. You don't ever realize how far away you're going to get from law enforcement when you go into upper management. <laughs> and so so I recognized pretty quickly on after I got promoted that, wow, I am really far away from ever being able to you know, go through a door or sit in front of a murder suspect and try to get them to confess to a crime. I mean, those days were truly over for me. And, uh, and at the same time, because I was in those roles, I got to even appreciate more of the work that was being done by the men and women of the Champaign Police Department. I will say that in the last year and a half, when Deputy Chief Joe Gallo left the police department when he retired, and I mm -hmm. moved from the Deputy Chief of Investigations to the Deputy Chief of Patrol or Operations, um, this last year and a half with patrol has been awesome. I think that every police officer who has the opportunity to go back to their roots should take it because it has been it's been refreshing to be back uh, working around the men and the women that are on the front lines. Do you and actually I, go out on the street? It is rare, very rare. If there's like a major, major event, mm -hmm. um, I don't really want to get in their way. I try to, I try to. <laughs> Uh, I go to briefings, you know, mm -hmm. occasionally and listen to what they have to say. But I've got sergeants and lieutenants who are passing information to me. But just being around them and helping them and, and hearing their their uh, their successes and, mm -hmm. and trying to get them what they need to be successful. I will say that out of all of that, the thing that has impacted me the most in the last year and a half has been my work with the Use of Force Review Committee. Okay. So because I'm the Deputy Chief of Operations... And because we now have body cameras and in-car cameras, <laughs> we we at Champaign Police, we analyze every use of force, which is out, anything outside of normal handcuffing. That gets reviewed thoroughly by the sergeants, lieutenants, and deputy chief before it comes to me. So if it's mine, then I review it. If it's, someone, if it's another mm -hmm. deputy chief, they review it, then it comes to me. But we're reviewing video. We're, we're looking at the police reports. And we're seeing these incidents on we're in living color just like just like it's on uh television mm -hmm. like it's a, a television show and so uh, cams have been good oh the cams the body cameras <laughs> have been a, a wonderful thing they mostly protect police officers but they what they do is they accurately show what's going on at the event and so that just helps that just helps the truth and and fortunately that means that usually that helps the police officers that are involved in in the events but Here's what I th here's what I think after after reviewing a year and a half of uh, many 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 dozens of of force the true story of police officers in the country is not that police officers occasionally make mistakes because they're human they're going to that's not the real story it's not even the real story that occasionally they're going to do something that's gray because it's gray it may be gray to certain people because they're not trained or they're not experiencing it but the true story is that 
officers don't use force that they could to protect themselves because they really want to make sure it's the right thing to do. I see so many times officers put themselves in harm's way to deal with a situation and they deal with it compassionately, um, empathetically, and professionally. And that they could very well use more force based on what they're seeing or what they're experiencing, but they do not. That is that is the true story. So you look at Champaign Police Department, we have 65 or 70,000 calls for service every year. Now that's every year, that's how much we have. Out of those cases, there's about on average 215 uses of force. And when I say uses of force, that's a, the way we interpret force, which is everything outside of normal handcuffing, mm-hmm. every gunpoint, mm-hmm. everything. That is an extremely low number. And then when you look at the number of people who are being seriously hurt from the force that we use, it's, it's a, a much, 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 much lower number than that because of the training that we go through. So I am extremely proud of the men and women of the Champaign Police Department. I believe that they are uh, very professional. I believe that the citizens should be should also be proud and would be and would also be relieved to know that their command structure looks at use of force this thoroughly and also uh, we have citizens on the Use of Force Review right. Committee right. that are are also watching it and have the opportunity to give input on it. So I think that if you compared the way we analyze force at Champaign Police mm-hmm. nationwide, we are without question in the upper 1% in how thoroughly we review force. And then when we find weaknesses in our training or our tactics or our equipment, we make sure that that is documented. We make sure that we talk to our command officers about it. We expect the command officers to talk to the officers about it. And then we put those in writing and we put them on our computer <laughs> training. So then every police officer then has to go and read the recommendations for improved tactics and training. So I are ah, the proverbial best practices. I am quite confident that we do. We, 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 I'm sure there's ways we can improve, but there are very few departments across the country that could be possibly doing what we're doing with use of force. Well, that is commendable, and you are indeed a big part of that. So what's ahead for you? I am going to start a digital media company, and I'm going to create content, and I'm going to... Don't you uh, dare be in competition with us. <laughs> I will not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking more nationwide or globally. And um, so... The goal is to create a digital media company with a, a, with different brands and to create crime content and to find advertisers and sponsors to push that content out. And this is going to end one of three ways, Mary. I am either going to crash and burn, I'm going to break even, or I'm going to make money. And the way I figure it is if I crash and burn, they cannot eat me, you know, so... You know, I, they can't eat me. I can't. So the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to fail, right? I, I reminded you of a time in maybe the early 90s when you started selling pepper spray <laughs> on the side. How did that work out for you? <laughs> I've always had a little bit of <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit uh, in me. So I, I also remember that you asked me if I wanted to volunteer to try it, and I declined. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I never wanted to be tased either, thank you for the record. I've not been tased either. No, well, uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's for those poor guys who have to be out on the street. Right. Well, thank you so much for your service. The citizens of Champaign and this entire area have been well served um, by you. And again, uh, 
like I said, you're our little media darling, and we're going to miss you. And uh, lots of luck to you in the new endeavor. I appreciate that. I appreciate all that you've done and also the News Gazette's done through the years. And I've just been so fortunate to have the teachers and the family and my wife and kids and everything that's been given to me. I am truly blessed. I am better than I deserve. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for being my guest on Legally Speaking. Thank you.